This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your very first purchase. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network. Talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and today we're going to be playing a game called Fact or Fiction. Most recently, Athlon Sports, one of the top sports websites in America, came out with their recent poll of their all-conference teams. And A&M had 10 players represented going into the 2020 season, but we're going to look at the conference as a whole and see which players are fact and which players are fiction when looking at the teams, if they deserve to be on that list heading into the new decade. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I always love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this show better, make it sound smarter, whatever we can do to better this show, we always would love your feedback. So send me a message at Mr. Cole Thompson and follow us also at Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things related to the 12th man found up in College Station. So you're going to want to stay up to date with us on social media. And that's really simple. Just at Locked On Aggies, we're your number one source for everything found here at the Locked On Podcast Network that goes on with the maroon and white. So at Locked On Aggies and at Mr. Cole Thompson. So last week, we kind of talked a little bit more about what was going on in today's society. And unfortunately, with the police brutality and more importantly, on the protests going on surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement. And a lot of us here at the Locked On Podcast Network all agreed we need to do our part. We are very lucky and very blessed to be living in this economy right now where we are able to still talk sports and use our platform for a better purpose. So... We, as a group, as a company at LockedOnPodcast.com, have decided that we are going to help fight with the racial injustices in America. But for that help, we need your support. To all of our listeners out there, we are encouraging you to help make donations to local and national organizations of your choice fighting for the civil rights, social injustice, and all things to help end racism. Then, Locked On will match every single donation made in the month of June by our host up to $10,000 to contribute to those funds found at Black Lives Matter, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and Campaign Zero. We can please all donate at either blacklivesmatter.com, NAACPLDF.org, or joincampaignzero.org. Every single dollar donated by you, the listener, the average listener, every single day, any dollar, we will match you to help and racial injustice here in America. So every day we're just going to keep promoting this. Make sure you donate to one of these fabulous organizations or if you want to donate to another organization, please let us know so we can help donate to them as well. We all can band together as a country and make this place a better and stronger place to live, but it starts with opening our wallets and every single dollar you donate, I will donate. My co-host will donate. 
every single person here at the Locked On Podcast Network will donate thanks to your contributions to help end racism in America today. As we mentioned at the start of the show today, we're going to be playing a little bit of fact or fiction. Athlon Sports, one of the top college football magazines in America, recently came out with their all-SEC teams heading into 2020. And A&M was very well represented, finishing fourth among all 14 teams in players added. Coming in at number one, no surprise, Alabama. Number two, Georgia. Number three, Florida. And then a two-way tie for fourth place, Auburn and Texas A&M. Now, the Aggies, of course, had a lot of players mentioned. But where do they fall? Here they are. Linebacker Buddy Johnson, Jalen Weidemeyer, the tight end, quarterback Kellen Mond, safety Damani Richardson, offensive lineman Kenyon Green, used as a specialist Anaya Smith, defensive lineman Bobby Brown, defensive lineman DeMarvin Leal, wide receiver Jamon Osbin, and running back Isaiah Spiller all were represented as the 12th man as members of the first second, third, and fourth team offense and defense. So, why don't we start off by saying fact or fiction if this is where they belong. We're going to start with the most important position on the field, and that, of course, belongs to the quarterback, Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond comes in as the leader of the fourth team offense. Sitting in front of him, Bo Nix out of Auburn comes in as the third team. Coming in at number two, is Kyle Trask out of Florida, and number one, Jamie Newman out of Georgia. Guys, plain and simple, this is the easiest one on the list. This is fiction. Kellen Mond should not be in fourth place. Mainly because Jamie Newman should not be in first place. That's the argument here. It's not that Kellen Mond is the top quarterback in the SEC. We really have no idea where Kellen Mond sits. On paper, he should be up there. He's a a two-and-a-half-year starter. He's led the team to -to back-to-back winning seasons. He's had his struggles here and there. He definitely was on the downside last year after an impressive 2018 campaign. But Jamie Newman, this is no disrespect to Jamie Newman because Jamie Newman is a fabulous player. Their stats are very equal. We did did this show not too long ago where we looked at Jamie Newman's stats versus Kellen Mond's stats. Mond threw... For less yards, but more touch. My mistake. Mon threw for more yards, but less touchdowns. But Newman and him rushed about the same, and Mon scored more touchdowns on the ground than the former Wake Forest quarterback. The former Demon Deacon has yet to take a snap for the Georgia Bulldogs, and he is listed as the number one quarterback in the SEC. If anything. The battle should be right now between Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond for QB1 for that first-team offense. Trask came in last year and did not miss a beat when Felipe Franks went down. He led Florida all the way to the Orange Bowl. They got a victory. It was a fantastic year for Dan Mullen's squad in year two. You look at Kellen Mond, another guy, veteran presence, been around the system, been a member of the team. Been a competent quarterback. He's been competent. Has he been elite? No, not by any means. But he was certainly better than Bo Nix was last year as a freshman. He played better than Mac Jones because we have no idea what to expect from him in his two starts. And Jamie Newman and him have very equal stats. It's fiction to say Kellen Mond is QB4 entering the season. If anything, 
Kyle Trash should come in at number one for first team offense. Kellen Mond should be the quarterback of the second team offense. And then Jamie Newman comes in at three. Bo Nix comes in at four. Because Nix, you know what? He may not be the starter for the full season. We don't know that yet. We know what he was able to do last year. But there's no guarantees he's going to be the same quarterback and that he has not progressed at all from his freshman failures. We know that Kellen Mond can lead a team. It won't be pretty. He won't get blowout wins, but he'll get wins. Jamie Newman going to a brand new system with a brand new offensive coordinator, a new head coach. The offensive line is going to be missing both their bookend tackles who helped lead the nation in uh, uh, sacks allowed last year and finished top three in the rushing offense. This is a brand new Georgia team. Jamie Newman should not be listed as the number one quarterback going into this year. So that's immediately a fiction. Kellen Mott is not number four. He is easily number two, if not number one, going into this year. And this is not biased because of it's a Locked On Aggies podcast. This is just facts. You do not know when transfer players make the jump to a different conference what they're going to do. Jamie Newman could be a complete and total bust, and USC transfer JT Daniels could end up shining in Athens. We don't know any of that. But what we do know is Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond both are veterans of the conference and both had better seasons than Bo Nix, Mac Jones, and we don't know if Jamie Newman's ACC style will translate to the SEC. So those should be fighting. Those who should be fighting for number one, and the loser of that battle finishes number two. That's complete fiction. Kellen Mond is not QB four. Nine other players to get through. We'll get through them a lot quicker than Kellen Mond. But are they fact? Where they sit, or are they fiction? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down those names in just a quick moment. Howdy, everybody. It's Cole Thompson from Locked On Aggies. And much like you, I am a health-conscious guy trying to stay in shape during quarantine. But you always got to have your daily dose of breakfast foods. And for me, who's always on the run, I found a tasty new treat in Built Bars. Built Bar is an amazing protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar and comes in 16 amazing different flavors. My personal favorites include the mint chocolate chip and the salted caramel. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is not only good, but it's good for you. And it's covered in the chocolate that everyone loves. Plus, not only will it help you lose weight, it can help you maintain weight as a delicious treat. Take, for instance, the peanut butter brownie bar. It comes with 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 net carbs. You're not going to find another treat like that out here. Go to BillBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your first order. That code is locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. So whatever you're doing to stay in shape during this quarantine offseason, make sure you're using it with Built Bar. Not only will you see results, but you'll have a tasty treat to start your day off right. Gig them, y'all. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure that you are following us on social media at Locked On Aggies and at Mr. Cole Thompson. And while you're at it, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast today? With over two dozen college sports shows plus talent surrounding the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, and fantasy sports, you're going to want to stay up to date with everything going on around your sporting world listen to us on itunes download us on spotify and if you can't do any of that at least give us a follow at lockedonpodcast.com 
We're breaking down fact or fiction of all the AM players, where they rank heading into the 2020 season on Athlon Sports. First, second, third, and fourth team all SEC programs. Let's move on to the running back position. Isaiah Spiller. He's on the second team offense. Other players included is Rakeem Boyd out of Arkansas coming in on the first team offense. Najee Harris out of Alabama. Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. I argue fiction, but not for Isaiah Spiller. He's fact. He's a fact in the number two. I think you could switch Rakeem Boyd and Kylan Hill. With Sam Pittman coming to Fayetteville, they're going to rely so much on Boyd, a former AM prospect himself, to be leading that offense with Franks more than I think Kylan Hill will be used under the likes of Mike Leach. Leach is going to have to change up his system a little bit. He is. Only because of when you look at the team right now, I don't see them not going straight air raid the first year. They have to slowly implement it. And yeah, not going to lie, Hill had a fantastic year last year. But Boyd rushed for 1,000 yards. He was the only good piece of that Razorback offense. He's going to be much more used. I would put him first-team offense over Hill in that first-team offense. By Isaiah Spiller, last year, finished a few yards shy of 1,000 yards. One of the better freshman seasons we saw. Overall, I think that this is not a bad spot for him. I would understand people maybe saying, oh, let's put him somewhere else. No, I think he's in a good spot. Second-team offense as well. Jalen Weidemeyer, tight end, last year. Pretty solid year as a three-star recruit that was not supposed to see a lot of action. Baylor Cup goes down. Kyle Pitts out of Florida beats him. I'm staying fact. Pitts is a player who, when you look at on paper, when you look at what he was able to do to help with Trask's transition, it made a lot of sense. And by no means is this a knock on Weidemeyer, who actually scored more touchdowns than Pitts. But you look at the stats. In four games, he had one target. He had one catch for 28 yards against Oklahoma State. He had one catch for nine yards against Texas State. One catch for two yards against against Clemson. It was a touchdown, uh, given that. And one catch for 25 yards against Lamar, also a touchdown. His big game was against Alabama. Three receptions, 49 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. And Ole Miss, four catches for 67 yards. You look at Kyle Pitt's stats, every game he was targeted at least three times. Every game. He had a big game against Townsend, which was an easy win. He had a big game against LSU, five catches, 108 yards, averaged 21.6 yards per game. And every game after that, he at least finished with 30-plus receiving yards. I think that when you look at the two right now, I can understand people saying, why am I getting that jump? over Pitts, but Pitts right now I think is a little bit more well-rounded, and then you have Weidemeyer. So I'm actually okay with this. I think this is a fact. He is tight end two entering the season behind the likes of Pitts. If it was anybody else, no, I would immediately say this is fiction. Heading into third team, Jamon Osmond, wide receiver. Let's see who's ahead of him. Seth Williams out of Auburn. They're about the same. Jalen Waddle out of Alabama. George Pickens out of Georgia. And then you have, in the first round, Jamar Chase from LSU and Devonta Smith. I'm going to say this is fiction. He should be second team. 
This is not a knock on George Pickens, but he's not first team. Jamar Chase was easily, he's the Fred Bolitnikoff Award reigning winner. He's got it. Devonta Smith, once again, had a fantastic year as the third or fourth option, depending on the day, in Tuscaloosa. Those are your top two. And it's easy to say those are your top two. I think then you could say Jalen Waddle because of his speed in the slot position and how important that slot position is now. He deserves to be second team. But George Pickens, when you look at Osmond, Williams, and Pickens, if you're going to say Pickens deserves to be in the second team group, that's fine. But you have to then make the argument for both Osmond and for Williams. Osmond last year finished with over 800 receiving yards and led the team in touchdowns. He had five for, for the receiver position, my bad. For the receiver position, he led the team in touchdowns. 872 yards. Pickens last year, pretty close. Seth Williams from Auburn, 830 yards, eight touchdowns. I think that you can make an argument for all three to justifiably be in that second team spot. It's more so what you want. Pickens, he's a little bit bigger. He's six foot three. He's a perimeter receiver. He's going to be able to win those outside battles. Osmond, quick, shifty, slotty. You're going to want to get those dump passes off to him and let his speed work in the middle of the field. And then Seth Williams, again, another larger framed receiver, six foot three, perimeter guy. I'm not saying that Osmond doesn't deserve to be in the consideration. But Williams does as well if you're going to put Pickens in that consideration. So it's not a fact or fiction, really. It's, I guess, more so a top toss-up. You could say it's a fact that he deserves to be third team. But the only reason you're saying that is because of you're saying that Kellen Mond is going to drop off instead of improve. You don't know what a sophomore slump can do to a player. Pickens was a freshman last year. He could regress immensely. Williams, if Bo Nick struggles, guess what? You have no idea what you're going to get. But Osmond, the reason I give him the edge, and I say he should be second team with Waddle, is because he is the veteran receiver returning. If Demon Demas struggles, Caleb Buckley struggles, if Chapman struggles, if any of them struggle, we're in trouble. You are in trouble because of you only have Osmond to rely on. And that's been Kellen Mond's target since they were freshmen. That's been his go-to guy. Yeah, he relied a lot last year on seeing what uh, the tight ends could do with Jay Sternberger. Then he saw what Jalen Weidemeyer could do. But again, Osmond is your lead guy. And because of that, I think he deserves to be on the second-team offense instead of the third-team offense. Who else we got to talk about? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down the defensive side names in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson at Locked on Aggies. Give us a like and a follow. Subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, or at least listen to us at LockedOnPodcast.com. We're playing Fact or Fiction today with Athlon Sports, all four SEC teams heading into the 2020 offseason. We pretty much have finished up with the offense. There's one more player we just got to mention real fast. Um, I'm going to say fact on this one, and that is in the third team offense with Kenyon Green. Here's the reality of it. Green, we don't know where he's playing yet. 
he could still be the right guard this year. He still could be in contention for either tackle spot. And he was coming out of Umble as one of the top-rated tackles. And AM has been known to play their future bookends interiorly just to build them up. So, until you see who else is on that list, when you look at the first-team offense right now, every guy has started for at least a few years. Trey Smith, at offensive line in the as a guard, he's on the list for sure. Alex Leatherwood played the left tackle spot at Alabama last year. Landon Dickerson played the left guard spot last year. Darian Kennard played the right tackle spot last year. It's hard to say that he's going to make that jump immediately. Same with Deontay Brown playing the right guard spot last year. Every guy on that list ahead of him makes sense. And until you know what position he's going to play, I think you just have to accept the fact that this is likely the best landing spot for him. I expect him to be higher by the end of the year. But it's fact right now that he starts with third team because one, he's a freshman. Two, he struggled a little bit last year transitioning interiorly. And three, if he moves back outside to tackle his more natural position, I think he will only improve. So I'm going to be okay with this one. Making the first team defense, surprisingly, Bobby Brown. I'm going to say this is fact. Here's why. Who else are you going to play? Literally all the good defensive linemen went into the NFL draft last year. Marlon Davidson out of Auburn. He's gone. Derek Brown out of Auburn. He's gone. Raekwon Davis out of Alabama. Gone. Justin Matabike out of A&M. Gone. Everyone who would be in consideration for that first team defense over Bobby Brown is now in the NFL. Jordan Elliott out of uh, Missouri. Gone. Rashad Lawrence out of LSU, gone. This is kind of a rebuilding year in the trenches for a lot of SEC teams. And until you really know what you're going to get, you kind of have to just play them. So I'm going to say fact. Bobby Brown showed enough during the game against Oklahoma State and in a rotational role this past year to say, yeah, he is probably deserving of at least first-team all-defense consideration. Also, someone who you could have thrown in there, but finished on the third-team defensive line, is DeMarvin Leal. That is fiction. Leal, I think, showed more promise than some of the guys ahead of him, especially on the second team. Kobe Whiteside out of Missouri, Jordan Davis out of Georgia, Malik Herring out of Georgia, Aaron Sterling out of South Carolina. In his lone game against Oklahoma State, he played so well. And since Ole Miss, he was very consistent of attacking up front at both a 3-I tech and as a 5-tech. He played outstanding in the Texas Bowl. I think at least he deserves to be on the second team defense going into this year. Again, this is not a knock on any of the players listed above. Because you don't really know what you're going to get this year on the defensive line and in the trenches. Because every single good defensive lineman, defensive end that was playing this past season is now in the NFL. But Leal's promise and production towards the end of the season, I think deserves to knock him up at least one more level onto the second team defense. 
But there is a player who is on the second team defense that maybe you can agree with. Damani Richardson, the safety. When you look at the first team safeties, you have Richard LeCount and Jacoby Stevens. I'm going to say fact right now, because LeCount was fantastic last year working alongside J.R. Reed. The rising senior Bulldog finished with 76 tackles, uh, three pass deflections, and four interceptions. Meanwhile, Jacoby Stevens, a former wide receiver who transitioned to the strong safety position, finished with nine tackles for losses, five sacks, three interceptions, and six pass deflections. Richardson, good rookie year, good freshman season. One interception for 16 yards, two pass deflections, a forced fumble, 71 total tackles, and half a sack. The two guys ahead of him will always get a little bit more love because they are older players. That doesn't mean, though, that by the end of the season, Richardson is the rising star. You want to have a guy who's versatile, and that's what I see with LeCount. He played a lot in the box. He played a lot over the top. His cover skills are fantastic. Stevens is turning slowly into that Jamal Adams-like player. I'm not saying first-round talent, top 10 talent, like we saw with the now New York Jet, but he is consistent. Playing against tight ends, playing well against going, uh, coming up to the box and blitzing, he can make surefire tackles in the open field, and he played better than Grant Delpit, who a lot of people considered a top 10 can't-miss prospect coming out of Baton Rouge. I'm okay with this right now, second team. Do I think he could make the jump to first team? Absolutely. With a year under his belt in Mike Elko's defense and more experience to be able to play against weaker opponents, he's going to be able to, I think, rack up his sack total. He's going to be able to show his cover skills a little bit more against weaker tight ends. He's also going to be able to show off his ability to play in coverage. I have no doubt by the end of the season, we're talking about him as being potentially a second or third team All-American right alongside Stevens and right alongside LeCount. Finally, to close things out, Buddy Johnson comes in as the third-team All-SEC linebacker. That's behind the likes of Bobby Brown, uh, uh, behind the likes of Dylan Moses out of Alabama, Nick Bolton out of Missouri. On second-team defense, you have Monty Rice out of Georgia and Henry Toto out of Tennessee. This is fiction. I think he should be on the second team at least. Dylan Moses, if he plays last year, is a top-15 pick. He is easily in the consideration alongside, I think, Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen as the top linebacker prospect in the nation. I think also you look at Nick Bolton's stats, had a very good year in his sophomore campaign. 103 tackles, 8.5 tackles for losses. He played very, very well in coverage, and he had two interceptions. When you want to have that cover backer, Nick Bolton did a very good job in that sense. And he was a surefire tackler especially at the line of scrimmage. I think that he could be in consideration for one of the better linebackers in the SEC, if not the best linebacker in the SEC, with Moses coming off an ACL tear. But Monty Rice, 89 tackles, three tackles for losses, three pass deflections, didn't have a forced fumble, kind of was just in the mix. Yeah, he had some good stops here and there. But Buddy Johnson, 77 tackles. 9.5 of them, though, were for losses against the run. He also had a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and a touchdown. 
I think when you look at this, it's what do you want more of? Do you want a guy who's going to be able to play in the open field when they get a it's second and seven and they still pick up three yards, now it's third and three? Or do you want a guy who can make it either third and eight or third and seven? That's what I like about Buddy Johnson. Monty Rice is not a bad player, but Buddy Johnson is more effective against the run, kind of like Bernardrick McKinney was at Mississippi State. That would be a good comp for him. You're not going to want to play him that much in coverage, but when you play him at the line of scrimmage, and when you play him, looking at where the run is going, he will make more of an impact, I think, overall than Monty Rice will. So I would put him second team over either Henry Tooto or over Monty Rice. But to conclude all of this, the best one that they named perfectly, there was two. Isaiah Spiller as the second team running back. He was a freshman. He had a dang good year. And when you look at the talent ahead of him, in Najee Harris, Kylan Hill, and Rakeem Boyd, all are worthy of being in first team consideration. Spiller's just on the cusp of that. I think that they nailed that one perfectly. The one that is completely off is Kellen Mond. And while Kellen Mond is not a complete quarterback just yet, and that's a problem because of you want to say going into your senior year after starting for two years, this is the guy who is definitely the answer at quarterback. We have no idea what Jamie Newman's going to be in Georgia, especially working in Brian Schottenheimer's offense. Yet he gets QB1. Kyle Trask deserves to be QB1 over Jamie Newman at this moment. At the end of the year, no questions. If if Jamie Newman does his job and leads the team all the way to the college football playoff, Jamie Newman's QB1 in the SEC. But we have no idea what he's going to be, and we have no idea what Bo Nix is going to be still. Is he just going to be a runner who sometimes likes to pass? Because if that's the case, put John Reese Plumley in there because if he finished third in the SEC in rushing yards... For any player, not just a quarterback, third in the rushing yards, any SEC runner, he came in third. And if you wanted to say that, then then he should be ahead of Bo Nix at that point. Because that's what it says to me. Kellen Mond should easily at least be QB2. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. And while you're at it, why not listen to all of our sister podcasts covering the entire conferences, including Locked on SEC, Locked on ACC, Locked on Big 10, Locked on Big 12, Locked on Pac-12, and of course, Locked on College Football. Tomorrow, A&M schedule. We've talked a lot about it. It is easier than 2019. But where does it rank? in the easiest schedule among all SEC teams. We'll be breaking down all 14 teams in our next two podcasts, seeing where AM falls in that category. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, take them, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.